And good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space in Wisdomic 102. My name is John Keeley. Nice to be back again with you after a break there for a week. Uh, lovely to also to welcome into the studio again a person who's, I think you've had two weeks break now, <laughs> Lorraine Buckley. Good morning. In my defence, I was taking exams for at least one of those weeks. So. <laughs> Do you hear that, Shane? <laughs> you hear that? Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Lorraine. Thanks for joining us. And Shane, of course, you were there waiting for both of us there to try and come back from wherever we were. Good morning to you. How are you? Keeping things on the road. Good morning, John. Good morning, Lorraine. Good morning, Shane. Thanks a lot for joining us, Shane. Uh, just to let people know, um, I wasn't studying, actually. I went to Medjugorje for a week. I had, I had a beautiful week. With uh, And thanks, I'll just take this opportunity of thanking Paddy Geary here in Newcastle West, uh, Mary Keaton, Shoshana Golden, and Father Pat Blewett for being such wonderful um, company for us as we travelled through Medjugorje for a week. It really was a blessed week. Okay, back to what we're supposed to be doing this evening. We also have two more guests um, that we have on the other end of the line, two special guests now this morning. We are delighted to have joining us Monica Brown and Hilary Musgrave. Good morning, Monica and Hilary. How are you? Good morning. Good morning, Lorraine. And as we say in Australia, to each of you and all our listeners, a very sincere g'day, mate. <laughs> g'day, mate. <laughs> g'day, okay, mate. G'day. Thank you very much, Nate, for that, Monica. Okay, a very special welcome, of course, as we always say here, to those people who are listening to us at home, those people who can't get out of bed, those people who are housebound. As we often say on this program, this program is especially for you. And we know that some of you are very lonely. We know some of you like to listen to words that, w- that you might hear through the gospel. You might hear uh, words of inspiration uh, by special guests. And also you might like some of the music that we play. Whatever it is this morning, we hope that the Holy Spirit is with us all this morning and speaking, speaking through maybe us and through, and through the music that we play. For those of you who are traveling, take care. And thanks again for tuning in. For those of you who might be listening to us on our internet, on, the, on our, our blog or our website, which is www.sacredspace102.blogspot.com. Thanks again for tuning in wherever you are in the world, whether it be in Good Island, Australia, or whether that be in India or uh, the other 157 countries that tune in to us. Thanks again for joining in and praying for us. Also for those people who are joining us on our repeat program, which goes out at 10.30 each Thursday evening. Thanks again for joining us. We usually light a candle here, and that's to remind us of the Holy Spirit. We have, in fact, invoked the Holy Spirit before we start the program, that we might be able to be open and listen to what the Holy Spirit wishes us to, to pray about and speak about. The program, in fact, will, this morning will include um, a chat with um, Monica Brown. Uh, Lorraine will sort of lead us through that in part two and possibly part three and then if we get time afterwards then we'll go through maybe the saints of the, uh, of the day or, or sorry saints of the week Shane might have some more in- information for us um, that's really the way we'll do the program this morning again if you want to contact the program at all during the week uh, it's 069 is, t- is the t- phone number you can pass a message onto sacred space you can also write in which is, uh, to Sacred Space, care of West Limit 102 Radio, Chains Road, Newcastle West. Or you can also contact us by email. And that's on sacredspace102 at gmail.com. And of course, as we usually do at this particular part of the program, we, we, we usually pause, uh, take some time out, maybe to listen to our God, maybe all the time we are maybe... Um, same prayers, same words to God, but maybe sometimes we don't maybe stay a little bit quiet and allow God to get in touch with ourselves. Maybe at this particular time we want to think of someone who, who's asked us to pray for us, someone who's, who's sick, someone who's worried and waiting for results of tests, those people who maybe are waiting for surgery. We ask the Lord to be with them at, that t- at this time. Also those people who are unemployed and finding life very hard. But we also thank God for so much that he's given us, for our faith, for our families, for our work, our neighbours and our lives. So just before we pause and listen to this first piece of music, Lorraine's going to lead us into a spiritual communion prayer that we do pray each morning on the programme. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there, I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. 
Amen. Thank you very much, Steve, for that, Lorraine. Okay, the first bit of music we'll play this morning is indeed a piece of music that we play quite often on the program. It's it's by Monica, by Monica Brown from her album Comfort My People, and it's in fact it's entitled this particular one, Comfort My People. Let's hear this. Sacred Space on West Limerick 102. Welcome back again to Sacred Space here on West Limerick 102. My name is Lorraine Buckley. Joining me in studio is John Keeley. And on the line we have Shane Ambrose. And as well as that, we are so delighted to have on the other line both Monica Brown and Hilary Musgrave. Now, Monica's music has been sung all over the world by people of all ages in schools and parishes and families, homes and religious communities in hospitals and prisons, in places of gathering and celebration. Monica's songs are touching the hearts of so many in the ordinary and even the far-from-ordinary moments in our lives. 
as John said at the start of the programme, we do regularly play music from Monica and it's a huge comfort to our listeners. So, Monica, after that welcome, you are entirely welcome on this programme this morning. That's a very beautiful welcome. Thank you. (laughs) Maybe you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, Monica, first. Oh, well, obviously I'm from Australia. Uh, I have been coming to Ireland, though, since 1994, 93, actually. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, but I've I've always had a, a strong connection with Ireland, uh, even though my ancestry is way back on my father's side. Um, Dad's gen- family come from Tipperary, probably about five generations ago. But and my mother's side of the family is Lebanese French. But we actually grew up uh, in an Irish kind of culture, in as much as our whole socialisation was through Irish dance and music. And our family and our faith was very much grounded in an Irish culture and faith. All our parish priests were Irish. All our nuns at school were Irish. Our family, friends and relatives, extended relatives had connections with Ireland. So, you know, when I flew into Ireland for the very first time, I actually flew over Dublin and I began to cry with this this overwhelming sense of coming home. Mm. Isn't that beautiful? has become that for me. Uh, in a sense, it's my spiritual home, I would say. Even mm-hmm. though I love my own country and the ancient roots and ancient spirituality of Australia is very much in my core, equally so is, is, is the Irish uh, culture and spirituality. So it's, it's um, very much part of my life and um, I'm just so blessed to be able to to, I guess, live and uh, here and in Australia and, and minister between these two wonderful countries. Well, I think we'll claim you as an honorary Irish woman <laughs> this morning. How did your faith journey begin, Monica? Where did your love of God come from? Ah, well, absolutely directly from my family. I, I am so blessed uh, in both my immediate family and my extended family. They were all women and men of tremendous faith. My Lebanese grandfather came to Australia in 1924, and he was a mystic. He was an absolute mystic, and he uh, was this quiet, gentle presence in my life, in all our lives. He died at 99 and a half, and he lived next door to me. Oh, my gosh. He was... I guess if, if, there, if there is an image of God as father, then my, my grandfather would be that, an all-embracing, gentle presence of love. And, and his children, my mother and her sisters and brothers, my grandmother, my own father, just salt of the earth faith. So I was surrounded by faith, but I distinctly remember at the age of eight, sitting on the the grass in, in my grandmother's garden, uh, just quietly praying the rosary for some reason. I don't know why I was praying the rosary. And I knew at that age that my whole life would somehow be guided and directed by God, that, that um, my life was very much about uh, the centrality of God in my, my living. And, um, and that's what's happened. And it's been, it's been a journey that has taken me through many different paths, unexpected paths, but always and constantly in the awareness of of God as the central presence in my life. Lovely, Monica. I suppose just from um, the listener's point of view out there, you said you had this beautiful experience at the age of eight. Did you ever consider maybe a religious vocation or was that just not something that you were drawn to? And I did, I was. I, I was um, educated by Good Samaritan Sisters who are a Benedictine order in Australia, mm-hmm. actually the first Australian congregation. And I was educated by them and uh, joined the, the Good Samaritans at the age of 20. And my whole schooling and formation was very much grounded in the Benedictine spirituality, with, which echoed into the core of my own family spirituality. It was very much about uh, creativity. It was very much about a spirituality of the earth, about reverence, about finding God in all aspects of life. So I did. I joined the, the Good Samaritans and was happily there for 10 years. And this is one of those unpredictable things in life. Mm. I was applying to make final vows for, for three years. 
and for some reason a new congregational leader came in and kept saying no but couldn't give any reason for the no and the next thing I was dismissed and it uh, it nearly broke my spirit mm -hmm. and it created quite an uproar in the congregation because protocol wasn't followed there was no due process there was no reason given mm -hmm. and then uh, ten, there were a whole lot of uh, inquiries made and then 10 years later almost to the day there was a, a full inquiry again and they decided that it was a wrongful dismissal and there was no reason for my dismissal and I was welcomed back to the congregation which was just a time of great blessing uh, and so I am I am an oblate member of the Good Samaritan Benedictine Order uh, but my ministry keeps me on the road so I don't live fully in community, but I'm associated with the community. And I think, um, if I'm understanding it right, an oblate is a, is a lay person that um, is associated with a particular community, would kind of live their spirituality? Exactly, Lorraine. I live out of the, 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 the spirituality and participate in the life of, of the congregation as much as my daily commitments allow me to do that. Isn't that just beautiful, though? And uh, it took me many years, Lorraine, to accept that, that turn in, in the path. Mm. I, I can't even begin to imagine how difficult that must have been at the time, though. It was the hardest time of my life, and out of that came a lot of, well, many of the hymns and songs that I wrote came out of that whole journey. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I'm often amazed when I hear how people use some of those, those hymns now in their own journey. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a privilege to know that there are comfort to people. Even that first hymn that we played this morning for our prayer space, Comfort My People, it just speaks of a God of love who is always there for us, even through the difficult times. Yes, and, and Lorraine, the thing is, today so many, and rightly so, are shattered and disillusioned mm -hmm. with the church and our institution, not just in this country, but particularly in this country. Mm -hmm. and, and people are desperate to find God, I think more now than ever before. But it's not a God who's in heaven and distant and aloof. People are wanting God to be right where they are, in the heart, in the thick, in the grip of their suffering and their heartache. And if God isn't there with them, then God is irrelevant to people. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the whole challenge of our church and anyone involved in, in spiritual formation today to somehow enable people to find God where they are and as they are. And that song, which is straight from Scripture, mm -hmm. all Scripture-based, mm. it's a God who wants to be with us, mm. the heart of our human experience. And that's what my ministry is all about. It's, it's just simply trying to find ways through music and ritual and creativity. And that's where Hilary Musgrave, my colleague, is particularly gifted through her gift of sacred clowning and her love of Celtic spirituality, which she does a lot of facilitation in that. So a lot of our work is grounding people back here in this country to their Celtic roots, where God was just part and parcel of their lives. Fantastic. Before we speak with Hilary and Cree Nua, um, can you just tell us how you got into it? I believe you were teaching, Monica, was that correct? Uh, I, I was teaching when I was with the, 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 the Good Samaritans for... Mm -hmm. I began as a teacher and I was working with children and was what, what was called Director of Religious Education in, in the local school I was in and Music Coordinator. And um, we, we found that the RE program, the Religious Education program, wasn't meeting the needs of our children, so we more or less threw it out the window and devised a whole program that was based on the life experience of the children and rooted in the Gospel. And at that time, there was no music. Mm -hmm. um, and so I started writing songs just out of the experience of, of the children I was working with. And the diocese, diocesan office in Melbourne, Victoria, asked if they could uh, record them and make them available to other schools and, and across Australia. So the Good Samaritans were very happy for that to happen. And that's when I, I, I first started uh, writing and recording music. But as the years went on, my music also moved into adult music, obviously coming out of my own faith journey and um, my, my own experience with people as I ministered through school and parish work. 
so that's where it began. But my love of music came from my family. My aunts were very musical. My father had just the most extraordinary appreciation of music. And I used, after Mass on Sunday morning, Dad used to sit down while Mum was cooking the baked dinner and play these these pieces from orchestras from all over the world because he worked in a record company. And I used to press my ear against the, the record player trying to get inside. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? It was just soul moving it was that's what that's where i i, I found the passion for music mm. and do you do you think that music helps to communicate the faith and our love of god in a different way to just words oh absolutely music is primal mm-hmm. it comes it comes from the most instinctive part of our humanity as does spirituality and that's why it, it's referred to as the language of the soul and you know it becomes a vehicle for us to express our sighs and our groans and our joys and our our, our hopes and our, our fears and our desires. And, you know, St. Augustine said, you know, whoever sings prays twice, but it's somehow grounded in the core, the, the, the archetypal and, and kind of ancient core of our humanity. And that's where God is to be found. I, my parish priest, beautiful parish priest back home in Sydney, <laughs> he used to say to me when we were preparing for funerals, now, Monica, don't sing that song because the people will cry. And don't do <laughs> because they'll, don't do that. I'd say, but Father Vaughan, they're supposed to cry. Exactly. It's to help people grieve. It's to help them express their emotion. It's to help them to celebrate and to sing out their joy. And nothing does that more than music. Mm. I find even myself that when I'm listening to maybe a beautiful piece of um, Latin sacred music, mm. that you don't actually have to know what the words mean to be carried mm. and, you know, lifted up really by the music itself. Absolutely, Lorraine. It transcends. Mm. It transcends language. It transcends intelligence and intellect. It goes straight to the soul. Speaking of which, I think it's time for another little break. Um, we're going to play one of your pieces from your CD, Be Still and Know, oh, yeah. um, God is Here. It's one of your children's CDs, a beautiful CD. I bought three of them myself and I've been listening to them constantly. Um, it's called Be Still and Know. So we'll have a little listen to this, take an ad break, and then we'll come back to Monica and Hilary again. Okay.
Sacred Space on West Limerick 102. Welcome back again to Sacred Space on West Limerick 102. My name is Lorraine Buckley. Joining me in studio is John Keeley. On the other line, we have Shane Ambrose. And we're talking this morning to Monica Brown and Hilary Musgrave. Welcome back again. Um, Hilary, I am absolutely intrigued as to what sacred clowning is. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, well, sacred clowning is very different to other kind of clowning. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when people think of clowns, they think of somebody who's going to trick them or catch them out or play funny jokes. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm a silent clown, and when I work with adults in liturgy, not, not liturgy, but ritual, um, when I work in, in ritual, I highlight what is most sacred to the group so that somehow, without words and using images and symbols, we can communicate the heart of what the ritual is about. And it enables people to get in touch in a way that words can't meet people. The image, um, the actual ritual itself, takes people into a different space. It, it calls them to grow deeper. Isn't that just beautiful? Because in a sense, liturgy is is sacred ritual. It's getting in touch with God through signs and symbols. So that's a beautiful ministry that you have then, enabling people to connect. It, it's, it's a very wonderful ministry, and I, of, I all the time feel very privileged to be in it, because you can see people coming to depths that they're unaware of themselves. You can see it in their faces, you can see it in their eyes, and their physical expression. And you know that it's just the grace of God at work. Mm-hmm. God so powerfully meeting people in ways that 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 other that words don't don't help them to lovely can i just add to that that several years ago rte did a a a special feature on on hillary's ministry wow okay yeah the 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 clown story on rte and it was broadcast across this nation and the response to just there was a scene of about 30 seconds where Nafa, Hillary's clown, which, as you know, is an Irish word for holy, mm-hmm. was just blessing this woman in clown, Nafa was in clown, with oil. And the impact of that image, the phone calls, the emails, the letters that came in were just extraordinary. People just felt they, they were witnessing the tenderness of God through that ritual. And uh, so... If anyone wants to look up RTE archives, you'll see a powerful story of of this sacred clowning. Excellent. I intend to do that immediately <laughs> after this program. Um, Hilary, how did you come to meet Monica? Well, like Monica, I was involved in education and most of my time was spent in Dublin, mm-hmm. in schools in Dublin. And I started schools many, many years ago, teaching in school, and we were just coming out of the question and answer catechism. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I went to school and and had to be getting kids to learn big words and prayers that meant nothing to Mm. them. Uh, I I realized they were learning about God, but they weren't learning to be in relationship with God. Mm. So I did other things with them, like meditation, like spontaneous prayer, like quiet prayer, and that that seemed to, to have a hold on them. So all the time I was looking for new ways in which children could be in relationship with God. And many years later, I became an advisor for religious education in the Dublin Diocese. And when I joined the team there, um, they had booked Monica to come, and she was going to spend three weeks with us working with the children and the teachers and in parishes in the diocese. And I just thought the work that she was doing was fantastic. It really was relevant. It got people, um, it brought people into a sense of being at home with God. Mm-hmm. And um, so much so that, that the team, we changed the way we were in schools. Um, we changed what we did in schools. We were no longer known as the inspectors, but we were the advisors then for religious education. And um, that's where I met Monica. And then our friendship grew out of that, and, and here we are today working. I remember the, 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 the first time, one of the times she was coming to Ireland, she said, you're going to try clowning. Mm-hmm. Said, you must be 
really just to, to, to keep her off my back. <laughs> and I said, now you'll see that I can't do this. Uh-huh. Went into Stephen's Green and uh, she gave me a few pointers and I absolutely loved it. Mm. Loved it. It was, it was a sense of, gosh, this fits, this is right. Mm. And uh, it just went from strength to strength. Hilary, sorry, um, I, I, I was just wondering, what sort of situations would you involve this sacred clown in? I mean, is it just in schools or is it in churches? or Churches, all right, and um, retreat work. Um, we do a lot of work with religious congregations at chapters. We do the liturgy and uh, the music at chapters mm. and the retreat work. So it would be... Um, a specific kind of a group and you wouldn't just um, meet the group and come straight into it sure um, like you, you'd work people around it you'd get them into a, a, a certain kind of a presence and awareness and understanding of what was going so that they wouldn't be upset or frightened by the presence of a clown mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but we also work um, in, in with school children too in faith celebrations we did some of that at the Eucharistic Congress, where I have another clown persona called Bubbles, and Bubbles is, is far more um, outgoing than, than Nefa is, and interacts with the children, again, silently, but, but while Bubbles doesn't know very much, the children help Bubbles, Bubbles to learn what's the most important thing about their lives. That sounds brilliant. But, yes. It and really does. It, it, with the children, you, you can get them to see that the most important gift they have is their ability to love. Mm-hmm. And they can do what God can do. They can love. Oh, my gosh. That just sounds fantastic. Tell me a little bit about this project that you're currently working on, Cree Nua. Well, Cree Nua is a program to help people um, engage more in that relational aspect with God than, than teaching about God. What um, I have been aware of for many years, and Monica also, as we go around the country and meet different groups, we're aware that in only some areas can people avail of ongoing formation and spiritual formation. Mm-hmm. There are some wonderful places like All Hallows around um, the country that, that offer great programs. But for most people in Ireland, they haven't got the opportunity to go to college, to Mm -hmm. do extra studies, to take on extra um, studies like that. So we talked and talked about what could we do to help people in this. And what we've done is we've designed a program and we've invited different writers in Ireland to write specifically for the Irish people. And what we do is we have a component on Celtic spirituality, something on modern theology, something on the cosmos, the, the story of the universe, something on um, liturgy, uh, sorry, not liturgy, scripture. Mm-hmm. And people read all of this before they come to the meeting, and then they reflect on what they have read. What did I feel? What did I hear? What did I understand? What challenged me? what inspired me, what quickened my heart, and so on. Mm-hmm. Then they come to the group, and they share out of that space at the group. And they, 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 they finish then with a ritual. And the ritual, in a sense, brings all of what they've said and all of that to, to, together. And the program is done in homes. It, it, it can be done in parishes, but we encourage people to come together in small groups, in comfortable places where they can sit and relax, where they're not wrapping their coats around them and saying, when will I get off this hard chair? Exactly. And how long will it be? Mm-hmm. So it's a way of getting people in touch with the, the modern spirituality and the ancient spirituality, which is our roots. Mm-hmm. It, it it really does sound like the way forward in a sense, you know, the little communal setting. It's almost going back to the um, the original church, you know, the little um, exactly. uh, house churches, mm. if you will. Mm. Exactly. And Lorraine, in a sense, that's how Hillary and I were kind of uh, uh, inspired or challenged to try and develop something because we were asked by several different people uh, 
people in small in a small rural town here to come and visit uh, their small gathering where these women were coming together every week but didn't know what to do in their gathering. They just knew they were spiritually hungry, mm-hmm. desperately trying to deal with the issues facing the church here. They were shattered. They were disillusioned. They didn't know whether to keep going to Mass or not to go to Mass. And they had so many questions, but they were looking for something to support them in their gathering. And we found that as we moved around Ireland doing some of our programs, that more and more people were like that, saying, what can we do? So we gathered together a team of writers, uh, such as um, Mark Hedeman, one of the local people for you, a wonderful Mm -hmm. man, Um, Daniel O'Leary, Michael Rogers, Nellie McLaughlin, just uh, uh, Margaret Silf. Hilary Musgrave writes a lot of it. So it, it's, it's a program that is based on inspirational reading and it, you know, you're only talking about a half hour of reading each week. Mm-hmm. But reading that is rooted in your Celtic Christian tradition but also addressing some of the heartache and suffering in this country. Mm. Uh, you know, the whole sense of who is in the face of abuse and dysfunction and economic hardship and where is God in our lives, it's, it's inspirational material that enables people to broaden and deepen their appreciation of God. And not, not something that's out there or only known in a church and in an institution, but someone who is relational uh, in, in the context of their daily lives. Exactly. And I think, I mean, that's really what catechesis and gathering like that is supposed to be. It's um, Catechese Tridende from the Second Vatican Council says uh, at the heart of catechesis is a person, the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're trying to do is bring people into an encounter with God. Even this week, I was just chatting with a friend of mine and she said that she does feel spiritually hungry. She says that, you know, going to Sunday Mass, which is nourishing in its own way, and it, I mean, is the centre of our, our Christian lives. She says it isn't enough for her just yes, to go no. to Mass on a Sunday. And, right. and with all due respect, Lorraine, here in Ireland, in a unique way, um, the whole faith experience has just been reduced to attendance of Mass. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet liturgy and faith and spirituality is is more and including all of that. It's like there is a whole awareness that, you know, for for people here in Ireland particularly, that they are the church, that the church is not just a priest or an institution, that they are the living body of Christ, and that living incarnational presence is in every aspect of life. And it's not just contained to a half hour or 25 minutes in a church. It's somehow in the family home, in the workplace, in the struggle of everyday life, that people need to know that God is with them. And if God isn't found there, then it makes what happens in church far more remote and irrelevant. But when God is known in the stuff of the human experience, then the celebration of Eucharist is the source and summit, Mm -hmm. is its full intention. It's the sublime moment of our faith. Absolutely. If somebody wanted to start off a Cree Nua program, how would they go about it? Yes. Um, look, they could ring our office mm-hmm. and uh, in, in, in Tremor, Waterford, and one of our team would be happy to talk with them about the program. It's, it's a very simple program. It, it runs for eight weeks. It, it, everything's done. It's in a booklet. Uh, the reading material is there. There's also music and ritual and audio-visual reflections. It's all done. It's all contained there uh, between, you know, about 48 pages and two CDs. And one of our team would be happy to consult with them. In fact, there are pockets of people all over Ireland doing this program at the moment. And uh, it's just so encouraging to hear that it is achieving its purpose. And its purpose is very simple. As Hilary said, to draw people into a deeper awareness of who God is in their lives and to bring them into a sense of community in that small gathering in homes all over Ireland. And uh, if people want to contact our office, we'd be happy to assist them with that. And I believe, if I'm correct, your office number in Tremor is 051-391-784. That's 
correct, Lorraine. Yeah. And if people wanted to find out more about Cree Nua or indeed about Amos uh, Productions, which we really didn't get onto at all this interview, I'm afraid you're going to have to come back on with us at some stage, Monica, because we just barely touched on some of uh, your ministry there. AmosProductions.com is your website. Yes, AmosProductions.com. And um, there's information on there about Cree Nua. And can I just add a word about that uh, particular piece of music that you played before the break, Be Still and Know, mm-hmm. that's, um, that's a meditation CD for children. We, we recorded that last year here in Ireland. And one of our biggest concerns and deepest passions, as well as Krinua, attending to the adult faith, is to support children. And particularly in these times when there's so much stress and heartache in families, children are really suffering. And the CD is intended to just give them quiet moments. And it's amazing the number of grannies, grandparents are buying this CD for their children, uh, First Communion gifts, and we've had lovely feedback from them about how much the little children love the peace and quiet that it brings. And it's really an effort to try and offer to families a moment of grace just where the kids are, particularly at night when they're going to bed. So that, that CD is a real uh, passionate uh, concern of ours to try and reach families that music that can offer some peace to them. It is absolutely beautiful, and I think maybe it's something we don't credit children with enough, their ability to pray and to meditate and contemplate. Absolutely. And they love it. They long for it. They long for that quiet space. They just need someone to lead them to it. Mm-hmm. So your contact details again, Monica. It's Emanus uh, Productions. Emmaus. Emmaus. Excuse me. Three Main Street, Tremor, County Waterford. That's right. And the phone number being 051-391-784. That's right. Oh, we'll put up all these details on our blog anyway, um, Monica. Again, thank you so much for coming on this morning, both yourself and Hilary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do hope that you will come on again the next time you're in Ireland. Thank you so much. It's been a privilege and an honour. God bless the work you're doing. Thank you both. God bless your work too. We're going to have another piece of music from that meditation CD for children, Be Still and Know God is Here. Um, It's called God's Love. But before we go to that, let me just say that all of Monica's CDs, I believe, are available from the website, Monica? Yes, they are. So if you did want to get a present for any children you know or any adults, uh, please do check it out, especially, I'm not going to mention the C word yet, it is far too early in <laughs> August uh, to be mentioning that, but if you wanted some presents for any special occasions that are coming up or just to give yourself a gift of some quiet meditation, I would heartily recommend them. So the piece we're going to listen to now is God's Love. Thanks again, Monica. God bless now. God bless you. Bye-bye. Here or still to come Could I 
Sacred Space on West Limerick 102. Welcome back again for our final part of Sacred Space um, on West Limerick 102. My name is Lorraine Buckley. Joining me this morning are John Keeley and Shane Ambrose. Shane, can you tell us about our Celestial Guides for this week, please? Yes, now, before I go to Celestial Guides, though, have we got to say wow to Katie Taylor? Oh, my oh, gosh, yeah. yes. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> our Olympians. Absolutely. But Katie jumped out at me for, well, for loads of reasons. I, I, saw, I saw a great Facebook paint post during the week. It's kind of Katie Taylor, Olympic champion, the only woman that Irishmen fear more than their mammies. <laughs> <laughs> I Lovely. But also the thing, of course, is Katie's, Faith, I think, is Absolutely. a very large part of our life. Mm-hmm. She's actually she's a born-again Christian who regularly attends St. Mark's Pentecostal Church in Dublin's Pier Street. And on her red boxing robe, she has a thing written, The Lord is my shepherd and my shield. Lovely. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. And the Olympics have been, there's been a lot on the Olympics about faith. There's actually one of the Spanish hockey players. That's right. He's actually, when he's finished at the Olympics, he's returning to Spain and he's into the seminary. Beautiful. Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah. But anyway, back to the Saints of the week. Okay. Um, yeah, interesting week this week. Of course, big win, big one on the Wednesday. Mm-hmm. It's the feast of the, uh, sorry, in Ireland, it's a solemnity of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So, of course, big feast day in, 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 in Ireland. I have to say a big hello to all at home because, of course, it is our patron day at Barragone Well. So there'll be Mass in the afternoon at Barragone Well on the Feast of the Assumption. Fantastic. And just for people are aware, it is a holy day of obligation in Ireland. Okay, so that means that technically you are supposed to go to Mass for the feast day. Then on the 13th of August, we have the Feast of St. Fatma, who is associated with the Diocese of Ross, and St. Poncin, who was a Bishop of Rome. Then, I didn't actually realise this till I looked it up this week. Maximilian Kolbe's Feast Day is on the 14th of August. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Maximilian Kolbe is one of the martyrs of Auschwitz. Uh, He was a Franciscan who was uh, arrested, taken to Auschwitz, and he took the place of another prisoner who was starved to death by the Nazis in the camp. And the reason I found it interesting is the fact that Maximilian Kolbe founded a congregation of... Franciscans dedicated to the Immaculate Conception. Mm. And of course, that their, his, his death occurred on the 14th, which of course is the eve of the Assumption. Isn't that incredible? And the 16th is the Feast of St. Stephen of Hungary, who was the first king of Hungary and who dedicated the, the what's called the Holy Crown of Hungary. And then, of course, on the 17th of August in the Irish calendar, which is a new addition to the Irish calendar, which the bishops got approved about two years ago, we have the Memoria of Our Lady of Knock. Its feast is, of course, it is a, a dedicated to Our Lady of Knock, Queen of Ireland, and of course, it is very much an Irish feast that we celebrate on the 17th of August. So that's our celestial for this week, folks. Thank you very much, Shane. Unfortunately, yet again, we're out of time. Seriously, we're <laughs> going to have to petition West Limerick 102 to get a longer slot. <laughs> <laughs> Need to definitely. <laughs> We're going to finish with Our Lady of Knock, um, but before we do, I just want to plug next week's interview. Um, we'll be interviewing Sister Louise O'Rourke, who's a PDDM, and she will be telling us all about her vo- own particular vocation story and who the PDDMs are. So if now, you want people to... People might out. remember Louise's name. Louise used to be our Rome correspondent. Mm-hmm. Ah, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Sister Lou. Yeah. So we look forward to um, speaking with Sister Louise next week, but until then, God bless. Bye-bye. Bye now, and let's go out with Carmel Hornan, our Lady of Knock. God bless you. There were people over ages Gathered round the gate wall Poor and humble Little children that you called We are gathered here before you And our hearts are just the same Filled with joy at such a vision As we praise your name
Sacred Space on West Limerick 102.